conservative? You bet. Controversial? Right again. It's time to squabble on the Jim Benson Show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Jim Benson Show, conservative talk radio covering the issues that concern you here on the BBS radio network. As we here in the USA reflect on tomorrow's national holiday, Memorial Day, and the sacrifices of so many people, including the ultimate sacrifice many made to protect our nation and our cherished freedoms, let's not forget that all of us today have an obligation to keep defending those freedoms, lest they be taken from us. First today, let's talk about these horrific mass shootings that have occurred over the past couple of weeks. Heavily armed 18-year-old monsters committed both mass shootings, one at a grocery store in Buffalo, New York, and the other at an elementary school in Uvalde, Texas, just last week. One can only imagine what the parents and other close relatives of the victims of these atrocities have gone through and are going through. No amount of hindsight, hand wringing, or thoughts and prayers are going to bring back their loved ones. And they are deeply wounded emotionally, psychically, I'm sure, suffering. And these monsters, young as they are, undoubtedly gained the fame and enjoyed the momentary power they craved in committing these heinous acts of cowardice and clearly mental illness. Hysterical media coverage of their crimes gives them what they desire and spurs other psychotic people to commit copycat crimes. So I don't want to join in the hysterics, but there is a need to study and analyze these awful events so that we can learn from what happened and take significant steps to prevent them in the future. Of course, the sycophants, lackeys, dupes, cheerleaders, bootlicks, what have you, of the so-called mainstream media overwhelmingly left us in their politics and their pick for these beliefs have been quick, as usual, to rail hysterically against the Second Amendment to the Constitution and what they claim shows a need for the Constitution to be revised as a living document they claim reflects more realistic ideals in today's world. And so, of course, the only solution to these seemingly conveniently timed attacks on helpless people is to totally ban private firearms ownership. Now, I don't have a big problem with making people raising the age, minimum age to buy a firearm of 20 to 21. This person could still wait till 21. Some years ago, some elementary boys, elementary school boys, who were unable to buy firearms legally used a blowtorch and or welding torch and broke into one of their parents' gun cabinets and got the guns they used to fire on their classmates in an elementary school. But yes, whatever can be done reasonably should be done. The Supreme Court has ruled that the Second Amendment is not without reasonable restrictions. The question is, what is reasonable restriction? And since an 18-year-old can join the military and learn to use firearms there, there are some arguments to be made for that. But in any event, and certainly anyone who displays mental illness As we'll learn later, and I'll go into this in a moment, uh, both of these people threatened to shoot up schools before they did these things, and yet nothing was really done about it. Red flag laws, I'm I'm fine with that. If you're being treated for any type of mental illness, you can't own firearms. I have a problem problem with that. Anyway, moving on. Even more important than the Second Amendment 
they want to do away with our Constitution. And it's even more vexing First Amendment that allows information that could contradict the government's and leftist establishment's official version of events and ideas. That's a big reason why these people love communist China and praise it for its draconian control of its people. They have no First Amendment or Second Amendment for that matter, or any of the other freedoms were granted under the, our own constitution. I submit that the American political left and their allies, the oligarchs and world government-loving loving globalists, in reality could care less how many people have to die under the tyranny they hope to heap upon us as they stand in awe of totalitarian China. Their mission is to use convenient tragedies like mass shootings and epidemics to impose an Orwellian governmental system on America. Look at the latest government and media hysteria over monkeypox, a sickness clearly breaking out, however minimally, around the world that is primarily transmitted by males having sex with other males. But this illness is reportedly undergoing gain-of-function research at the infamous Wuhan Institute of Virology in China, and elsewhere to make it more transmissible to the general public. This is being done with a goal, I believe, of unleashing another human-made viral pandemic on the world in order for our, our elites to gain power over the population and subjugate them, ostensibly for our own good, under a world government system modeled on that of the Chinese Communist Party. Hence, as Alex Jones calls him, their puppet-in-chief, Joe Biden has ordered more than 100 million doses of the latest monkeypox vaccine and is seeking to give away American sovereignty to the CCP-dominated United Nations World Health Organization. The Biden administration wants to hand over power to impose mass lockdowns and other measures on the U.S. and other populations around the world. And speaking of -of gain-of-function research, did we... Many of you may have seen the picture of the, I think they were beagle puppies, laying in a laboratory with boxes and wires over their heads, being tortured in some grotesque medical experiment. And because they were crying out in pain and suffering, the wonderful people in these labs took their vocal cords out so they couldn't be heard crying. This is sickening to me. And we know that they use these animals all over the world, torturing and killing them in labs and is being done now. It was probably being done with Wuhan virus. How many of these bats did they kill this? I I personally think this is science run amok. If they're going to do this with animals, they'll do it with people as well sooner or later. I'm I'm in agreement with Switzerland that they recently banned animal research in laboratories. But that's another issue. I have long said that Biden is unfit to hold public office due to allegedly committing numerous criminal acts, including selling influence of his office while he was a senator and vice president, and aiding his son's business interests in Ukraine. Biden did this by threatening to withhold a billion-dollar loan guarantee to that country, unless a prosecutor investigating corruption by a Ukrainian energy company, energy company, where Biden's son, Hunter, was a highly paid member of its board of directors. That certainly looks bad. It should have been investigated. I don't know if it has been investigated. We don't have any public information about it. If it was Trump, they'd be all over this thing as they were with everything else he did and came up with nothing. Biden insists he's done nothing wrong. Well, let's find out. But who's doing anything about it? If we didn't have the corrupt establishment that we had, a lot would be coming out about Biden. A lot already has. 
but he's still in office. As anti-communist researcher and videographer Trevor Loudon has pointed out, from the very first time he ran for public office in the 1970s, Joe Biden has been supported by radical leftist organizations. It's obvious that today, Joe Biden is essentially an agent of the CCP, oligarch, and globalist interests. And of course, as Rudy Giuliani first pointed out, former Trump's, Trump's, lawyer, Trump's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, and uh, our, uh, one of the uh, preeminent journalists of today uh, has pointed out in his book, a new book, Red Handed, uh, Biden and his family members have been paid at least $31 million by the CC, entities associated with the CCP. He, this is, how could someone like that not be compromised? And he's been doing a lot. We'll talk more about things he's done in a moment for the CCP. As I said, while he talks tough about communist China, his record indicates that he's doing their bidding and assisting them in their ultimate goal of destroying the USA and taking us over. Joe Biden has, since he took office, been dismantling Donald Trump's efforts at countering CCP spying, infiltration, and influence over our government, cultural, and political institutions. Biden has allowed CCP companies to bid and work on infrastructure projects for our electrical grid, our national electrical grid. He's removed tariffs on some 500 products imported from China and indicated he intends to remove many more. His abrupt and cowardly withdrawal from Afghanistan led to the murders of many people who supported us in that war-torn nation and greatly benefited China and Russia. I believe this act encouraged Russia to launch its invasion of Ukraine along with Biden's initially vacillating and weak response to that threat. I and tens of millions of other Americans have come to the conclusion, notwithstanding the lies and failures to investigate of former Attorney General Bill Barr and FBI Director Christopher Wray, that our 2020 election and others before and after have been rigged to elect leftist Democrats and rhino, that is Republican in name only, Rhinos, I should say, and uh, defeat more nationalistic candidates. You know, America first. We can't have that. It's got to be America last. Due to this widespread and well-orchestrated conspiracy, I'm now much more willing to consider the possibility that these mass shootings could be the result of conspiracies of one form or another and are being orchestrated to bring about the goals of the communists and their allies, the globals and oligarchs, making all their money in China. There always seems to be strange things associated with these atrocities, raising questions that never seem to be answered. But whatever the reasons for these terrifying events and the ulterior motives of the media hysteria over them, these mass killings have occurred all over the world. And the USA accounts for less than 3% of them, according to statistics I've seen recently. Alex Jones and others have reported that many of the shootings were where multiple people are shot in the USA are gang-related. The Buffalo shooter, though only 18, was reportedly a white supremacist who was well-versed in that ideology and had on his rifle the name of one of the white victims of the black nationalists who drove his SUV into marchers in a Waukesha, Wisconsin Christmas parade last year. The shooter also reportedly posted an online manifesto, which made reference to other mass shooters in the U.S. and other parts of the world, including the New Zealand mosque shooter of some years ago. That individual as Alice Jones observed, had no visible source of income, yet was able to travel the world and showed up to commit the shootings with an array of weapons banned in New Zealand. These matters were never explained that I know of. And we, as we will hear in a few moments, both the Buffalo and Uvalde shooters 
had made threats to murder and shoot up schools prior to what they prior to committing their shootings, but nothing was done, and they were then allowed to legally purchase powerful firearms. The Uvalde shooter, in arguing with a coworker at a fast food restaurant, reportedly asked the coworker, "Do you know who I am?" The shooter laterly later reportedly told coworkers that he was quitting because he had no longer he no longer needed the money. And later displayed online a receipt for $2,000 he had for one of two semiotic rifles he bought just before the shooting. Where did he get all this money? Before he started the school shooting, he had shot his grandmother in the face, apparently as a result of an argument over an unpaid cell phone bill he had. The UK Daily Mail reported yesterday that the Uvalde shooter, Weeks before the attack on Robb Elementary School in Uvalde, made online threats to girls he met to rape and murder them and to shoot up schools. The girls reported these threats to the online messaging service, but again, nothing significant was done about it. Here's some audio from the May 26 Alex Jones show broadcast on jonesinfowars.com website with a discussion about the Uvalde tragedy with Texas school tr- safety trainer Tim Enlow. It begins with vivid video scenes of distraught parents being restrained outside Rob Elementary School by police while the shooter was reportedly barricaded and shooting people inside. Also, Jones says the shooting happened the previous Monday. I believe it was the previous Tuesday, but in in live broadcasts like this with mine and other people, we do get things wrong occasionally. Anyway, play sound by one, please. If you're a TV viewer, you can see this tragic scene for radio listeners will be describing it for all of you. But we're here to get the facts on what happened Monday afternoon in Uvalde, Texas. I wanted to get my friend who's a a school safety trainer for the police, but also does it for courthouses, you name it, Tim Enlow, in on Monday and Tuesday. But he said he wanted to get more facts. Uh, At first, the media said that they... State police were chasing him with the Border Patrol, and then he crashed the vehicle, ran in the school, started shooting people. That's not the case. He went in and barricaded himself in a classroom behind an armored door, was holding hostages. That's confirmed, but it's not being pushed in the news. You have to dig to find that. And they're just saying the police just stood down, and now Biden's demonizing the police, and others are. We saw them stand down at Parkland a few years ago. We saw them do that, of course, 20-something years ago at Columbine, now 23 years ago. And we can always learn a lot from this, but it's not the police fault. It's evil people's fault. And it's not the gun's fault. It's psycho's fault. And just like the white supremacist, he said he was going to shoot up a school. He said he was going to attack people. He'd been red flagged. Nothing was done. So Tim Inlow uh, is here with us to talk about this, uh, and he can give you what his sources are telling him and what is known. And so, again, if the police do something bad, we will be the first to tell you. Police aren't perfect. Everything needs to be up to scrutiny, including us. That keeps us you know, on our toes and helps be better people. Uh, but changing this onto the police, away from the psycho, uh, is, is, is garbage, in my view. So, so Tim, uh, take over wherever you'd like to start with the information you have and what happened here. Well, first of all, I'd like to say that uh, we're still in the very, very early stages of the investigation, right? So there's new facts coming out literally every hour, every day, right? So, but what we're hearing right now is just as you alluded to um, at the intro, and that is that um, it now appears that some kind of contact was made with the shooter uh, by law enforcement before he went into the, the school, And then somehow he managed to enter the school, enter a classroom, 
and then potentially lock that door or somehow barricade that door to where law enforcement couldn't immediately go in after him. Um, the other thing is that I'm hearing is that, um, you know, at first we were led to believe that this guy ran into school and just started shooting. But now they're saying that he may have been in that classroom for upwards of 30 to 45 minutes, not killing uh, while law enforcement kind of treated it as a barricaded uh, subject type call rather than an active shooter call. Right. And uh, if that's the case, then. Um, Obviously, that's going to have to be looked at and, and we're going to have to look at in the future uh, how we deal with that in law enforcement. Because, again, they're hardening the facilities to keep these these crazy people, these these demon terrorists out. But then they can actually use that hardening once they're in to keep the police out. That's exactly right. And and unfortunately, I think what we're probably going to see and, and uh, what I'm hearing is that at least the very initial uh, officers that were on scene, that they probably did not have the breaching equipment that they needed to immediately breach that door. That's right. They had to find a teacher with a key while he's shooting reportedly through the door. Right. And so obviously that's problematic, right? Um, We're going to have to look at, and, you know, there's already, and you've covered it for the last few days, right? There's all these outcries about, oh, we need to do something, gun control, the usual drivel that we hear from the left when this happens. But what we're really dealing with here is not taking things away. What we need to do is give more. And for example, the law enforcement, they need more equipment for every law enforcement officer should have a breaching tool in his car um that battering ram well either battering ram or some kind of uh you know like oh, they, uh, some kind shotguns of, right some kind of pry bar um you know something that they can breach doors with right and with that obviously those officers are going to have to be trained right a lot of what people- about what the military uses like the delta force where, where they use a shotgun that that, that, that fires out uh projectiles, but but they dissipate and they breach the door that way. Right. And and law enforcement have had breaching rounds for a long time. However, you got to keep in mind that that's not always going to be effective. Okay. You have to look at, was it an inward opening door? Was it an outward opening door? All those kind of things are going to come into play with what kind of breaching equipment is going to be effective. And again, that takes training, Um, training that the average patrol officer right now still does not usually get. With imagine the police have to go in and then see all these dead kids. They're not right. the villains. They're 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 trying to protect us. And obviously, these police in Texas we know wanted to go in, and a border patrol guy did finally kill this 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 crazy animal. Uh, but just the media changing the subject of the police is not good. Yeah, and that's ridiculous, right? I, I mean, this guy took a grazing round. A Bortac officer took a grazing round to the head. Um, had to get stitches in the top of his head, right? He was lucky to be alive, and he still apparently managed to put the suspect down. Um, this is not, again, this is not law enforcement's fault uh, per se in any way, shape, or form. However, um, it's been now 23 years, I believe, since Columbine, right? And if 19 kids and two teachers are being killed in a school, 23 years after Columbine, then we still have to make some changes. And and those changes are, again, related to better training, better equipment, um, and maybe tactics. I don't know. But uh, we're going to have to take a hard look at this. What are some of the other issues you want to walk people through? Can you talk about 
you know, training for people, what the police are being taught. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, when I went through the train, train to trainer course uh, at the Alert Center, which is the center here in Texas that that teaches active shooter uh, tactics for law enforcement, um, breaching at that time for that course was not part of the curriculum, right? Breaching doors and things like that. Um, I think that's something we're going to have to look at um, to, to train the first responders in breaching, that every first uh, responder should at least have some basic breaching knowledge and breaching tools. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the footage of at least 14 minutes after they knew that there was a shooter inside of Parkland High School in Florida a few years ago. Cruz, the shooter, and they didn't go in. They definitely stood down. And that's terrible. And it happened for almost an hour at Columbine. And the answer is we can't expect police to always be there and protect us. It's not their job to protect us. They try to. Their job in the Constitution is to enforce the law, of, you know, arrest people, take them to jails you know, for the court system and the juries. Uh, so we don't know all the details, but it is confirmed by the state police, by the local police and border patrol, that he was in a barricaded position inside a classroom holding people hostage. We have other people saying, oh, they heard he came in and said, you're all going to die and sort of shooting people. Well, how do they know that if they all died? We'll find out what happened here. The issue is they're blaming the gun owners. They're blaming the Second Amendment and taking guns away from law-abiding people we know won't work. Look at the cities where they've taken the guns. Look at Venezuela with a much higher crime rate with guns than us or Mexico. They had a massacre that I've got here on the stack we'll be getting to. But, you know, Tim, you're a humble guy, but you've been in the Army, the Marines, Blackwater, a bunch of other agencies. You've been a police officer in Austin. And, and you train all the time uh, major police departments on this. And next hour, we get some of the actual training that goes on. But we'll get back into the latest info we have. And I'm not here in some worship the police brown nosing position uh, because I know the police have their own problems. The globalists are trying to demonize police departments to take them over. So then we really will have a problem, uh, you know, like the police in, in, in globalist controlled countries. But just as a father, because I know you've got ch children like I do, older ones, younger ones like I do. And it, it, it obviously hits you in the guts. You know, some of your children just had a graduation yesterday. My five-year-old daughter just turned five on Cinco de Mayo. She just had her graduation today. You look at this, you just can't imagine somebody doing this and executing children. And again, let's not forget, that's who did this. And you can't expect a plumber to come to your house and fix the pipe in an hour. Imagine police showing up and they don't even know what's going on. And they're told there's a guy barricaded in with children then that process happens. The image of them tasering people and arresting people trying to break in, I don't blame those parents either. This is a mess, but it's the evil guy that caused this. But just getting into training or getting into any points you want to make, Tim, because, you know, I'll just take over here, uh, about as a real professional expert that's seen war zones, you name it, trains police for this type of stuff, what what your best understanding is and just other points you'd like to impart to folks. Well, again, I, I think the biggest thing I'm seeing, and, and uh, I didn't tell you this before the show, but uh, I actually wrote uh, my kid's uh, superintendent yesterday, right? Because he issued an email about the shooting and everything. And, you know, it was the standard, oh, you know, we're so sorry about, about what happened. Our hearts go out. And then he mentioned an increased police presence possibly at the school for the next few days. Well, their idea of a an increased uh, police presence was an officer pretty much in plain clothes with just a pistol um, that was inside the school kind of walking around, right? And again, this is goes to equipment and it goes to mindset. What I'm constantly seeing still is that we're afraid in this country 
for an officer to be walking around with an assault rifle in a school. Why? Because it freaks, you know, they, they think it's going to freak parents out. Well, we know statistically that'll scare the perps away that, no, right. these are places that are death by cop. Go die like a devil, kill a bunch of kids, be famous. They just advertise like a neon sign. This is the place to come. Right. That's exactly right. And, and listen, I think, you know, again, we don't have all the facts. We don't know if the police couldn't get into the classroom. We don't know if the shooter shot right away, but because there's conflicting reports on that, right? But what we do know is that every single report so far has said that the shooter was in a barricaded, some type of barricaded position when they were engaging him, right? Now, the important thing to remember here is this, right? Uh, a gunfight, what, what I like to always tell people, if somebody has a knife, I'm going to try to bring a gun to that fight, right? I'm not going to try to fight a guy a knife with a knife. Um, if he has a knife, I'm going to bring a gun. If he has a handgun, I want to have a rifle. If he, you know, and, and so forth. So putting police officers in with just a handgun and, and expecting them to come out winning against guys with assault rifles, it's not that it can't be done. It can be done if those officers are trained properly. However, and if they have an STI staccato that shoots as good as an AR-15 yards, but it definitely makes the job harder, right? It definitely makes the job. Harder. They're not a sponsor; they should be. We both have those guns. We can shoot small targets at like fifty to hundred yards; those all day long. Yeah, there's like, a lot well, of handguns I mean, out there today that are very accurate. But again, um, when you're talking about a round that goes 900 feet per second versus a round that goes, you know, 2,600 feet, body per armor second. is going to stop a nine millimeter. Right, exactly. Right. So there's all these. These different reports, again, that some officers may have shot at him, but he still made it into the school. And again, what's the best thing for him to have? Then, What would be the best firearm? Well, again, I, I think in for school security, I think these officers need to have AR-15s. Absolutely. And not locked away in some locker somewhere, but they need to have them on their person. Right? And they're big boys. They can carry them around on their back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And I think that should be standard. And more importantly, First of all, not all schools have, still don't have, uh, school resource officers or police officers stationed at the schools. It's time that changes. Whatever else is done to protect our children and other people from these horrific crimes, more training, equipment, and powerful firearms carried by qualified and determined law enforcement personnel are needed immediately, in my opinion as well. At the time of the Uvalde attack, there was... The most recent reports say there was no school police officer present. They don't know why. At least this is according to the latest from law enforcement officials. Moving on to other subjects. As you may know, for most of this past week and ending, I believe, today, the oligarch, globalist, and communist elites, they attend these things too, the communists, have been attending their annual gathering of the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland. There, Microsoft founder and former CEO Bill Gates, BlackRock fund management chief Larry Fink, Prince Charles, and other luminaries of the world's political, government, and business elites have been making speeches and preparations to further the world government and globalist visions they intend to force upon us as they strip us of our rights and freedoms. Of course, they don't look at it that way. Here's some audio from former Trump advisor Steve Bannon on his War Room program on the America's Voice Network, interviewing Jeffrey Tucker. Now, he is founder and president, I believe, of Brownstone Institute for Social and Economic Research. <clears throat> and he's being interviewed about Bill Gates telling the World Economic Forum that Bill Gates wants the World Health Organization 
which she heavily financially supports, to have sweeping new powers to impose international lockdowns and other restraints during coming pandemics. You see, they're already preparing for the next pandemic. If, if it can be, it seems it's going to be monkeypox. <clears throat> Please play soundbite two. Jeffrey, what, tell me about the Bill Gates presentation today. You, you had a chance to, to watch it, and uh, we could have pulled a bunch of clips from it. It was a little all over the map. It was a panel. But walk us through his, his, uh, what he's laying out for this pandemic treaty. Well, you tortured me by making me listen to that again. <laughs> Uh, he's not an intellectual. Uh, he's actually, a, uh, I'm sorry, but a very uh, powerful but extremely stupid man. He knows nothing about cell biology. And I sent that clip to a bunch of scientists connected with Brownstone. And and they were mortified. You know, like, why, why are these people running the world instead of people who actually understand cell biology and viruses? So he doesn't, he thinks vaccines are software. And the, the current software doesn't work. So all you have to do is put your engineers uh, to work to create the next iteration and then impose it on global humanity. And then we keep all of our internal hard drives free of pathogens. That's what he believes. Um, later in the presentation, he analogized pathogens to fires, which you always have to put out, which is a very uh, a stupid and very extremely dangerous idea because if you actually... You break down the immune system that way. If you if you stop all pathogenic spread, which you can't do, if you actually achieve that, you will destroy humanity. So that nobody's ever told him this, you know, it, it illustrates the problem with the ruling class. They're not getting good information. Uh, he's surrounded by sycophants, unfortunately. the The other thing that I took away from his presentation is is is, is of course that he believes lockdowns are the way to deal with any uh, new pandemic, uh, as defined by the World Health Organization, uh, because he celebrated countries that dealt with SARS-CoV-1, which turns out to be all the countries that locked down during SARS-CoV-2. So he believes in this, not just local lockdowns, not just your government locks you down, and pins you into your house and forbids you from going to church. He wants the World Health Organization to do this with authority from some sort of global government apparatus. This is what he said today in uh, the World uh, Economic Forum in Davos. This is what he announced to the crowd. And everybody just nods their heads and pretends as if he's some sort of genius, whereas he's actually a crazy uh, uh, a crank who knows uh, essentially nothing, and yet he wants to have ownership over all bodies on the human planet. Sorry to put a, a blunt point on it, but that's it. Very stupid, but ex- I'm sorry, very powerful, but extremely stupid man. Gates set himself up as some kind of world vaccine czar when he launched his decade of vaccines in 2010. At that time, he was jumping into the uh, world healthcare scene. Video of Gates shown on Infowars.com reputedly shows Gates almost giddy when speaking about the COVID-19 pandemic, which was breaking out about that time. <clears throat> and he seems to have been anticipating the vaccine, the, the epidemic. And of course, he also got very, very, even much more greatly rich than he was due to the vaccines 
being used in that pandemic of COVID-19. As I said, he's become even more staggeringly wealthy due to his investments, and I believe his charitable, uh, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation's investments in vaccine companies, which he bragged had paid 20 to 1, especially after the COVID epidemic. Now Gates, a longtime friend of the CCP, who never criticized them, seemingly wants to control world health care entirely. And Gates and his fellow globalist oligarch, George Soros, have been huge financial backers of Joe Biden. These are the people who had a lot to do with putting Joe Biden in office. Here's more on the subject of proposed sweeping new powers for the World Health Organization from the May 9th podcast of Frank Gaffney's Secure Freedom Minute series on his website, securefreedomminute.podbean. That's with a P like in Paul, podbean, P-O-D-B-E-A-N, dot com. Play sound by three, please. This is Frank Gaffney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The across-the-board wrecking operation that Joe Biden has unleashed on America has two common denominators. Every one of his policies is harmful to our country, and every one of them seems to benefit the Chinese Communist Party. Take, for example, amendments Team Biden has proposed to give the CCP-controlled World Health Organization sweeping new powers at the expense of our national sovereignty and independence. Even absent a renewed pandemic, the WHO will be able to dictate to the world not just public health policies, but even whether travel and trade restrictions may be imposed. Welcome to the China model, brought to you by the people who inflicted on us COVID-19, lockdowns, and vaccine passports. International voting currently expected to approve Biden's latest betrayal of our country will occur in two weeks. Will anyone challenge, let alone effectively oppose it? This is Frank Gaffney. Here's another Secure Freedom Minute podcast related to the World Economic Forum Davos gathering this year, where the CCP's Alibaba tech giant unveiled a personal carbon footprint tracking program for your phone. Play Soundbite 4, please. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. The convergence of the communist and capitalist wellsprings of the new world order and its ominous implications for Americans and others who love freedom was on display in Davos, Switzerland yesterday at the Globalist World Economic Forum. The Chinese Communist Party's tech giant Alibaba unveiled the next big thing in the planet's inexorable march to the digital gulag. It's called a, quote, personal carbon footprint tracker, unquote. Evidently, we need not be concerned that Alibaba is a key enabler of the CCP's totalitarian surveillance state and its Uber Orwellian social credit system. That's because while this tracker will monitor your whereabouts, travel, personal consumption, and behavior, offering you inducements to, quote, do the right thing, unquote, there's no reason to worry that all of that data will be collected and monitored by communist China because, you see, it's green, and you will like being green. This is Frank Gaffney. Here's more commentary from Alex Jones on his radio and television show, May 24, in which he discusses the World Economic Forum gathering's plans to combat their demon climate change by ending the world's reliance on fossil fuels, whatever the cost to humanity with crippling energy restrictions and skyrocketing prices. Joe Biden calls this an incredible transition to green energy sources. You'll note in this recording, Biden using the phrase 
God willing, Biden, the atheist communist puppet, invoking God's help? Is this another artifice to help deceive us on the road to our enslavement? Soundbite begins with comments by Klaus Schwab, founder of the World Economic Forum. Play Soundbite 5, please. Also be clear, the future is not just happening. The future is built by us, by a powerful community as you here in this room. We have the means to improve the states of the world. But two conditions are necessary. The first one is that we act all as stakeholders of larger communities, that we serve not our only self-interests, but we serve the community. That's what we call stakeholder responsibility. And second, that we collaborate. And this is the reason why you find many opportunities here during the meeting to engage into very action and impact-oriented initiatives to make progress related to specific issues on the global agenda. Now let's hear from the World Economic Forum panel today saying the pain is worth it to make the earth green, that they are cutting off the energy, they are carrying it out, and then puppet Biden carrying out the agenda. Hours later, mirrored the exact same statement. Here it is. We need to accept that there will be some pain in the process. Uh, the pace that we need will uh, will open up for missteps. Uh, it will open up for uh, shortages on energy. It will create inflationary pressures, and maybe we need to start talking about that, that that pain is actually worth it, because if we don't, uh, there's no business case, there's no economy, there's, there's no welfare. But, but so far, I think we are, have been a little bit careful actually talking about the pain in the short term that is likely to come from, from, the, from this. When it comes to the gas prices, uh, we're going through an incredible transition that is taking place that God willing, when it's over, will be stronger and the world will be stronger and less relying on fossil fuels when this is over. This is just so evil that this is being done out in the open and that where is Congress? Where are our leaders? Why is nothing being done? Now I want to play audio from Greg Reese. That's R-E-E-S-E, I think. He's a commentator on Infowars.com. And its band.video website, as well as Reese's own ReeseReport.com. Here, Reese is commenting on Dinesh D'Souza's new video, 2000 Mules, which presents the case that leftist organizations used mules or activist employees to illegally harvest illegal ballots for Joe Biden and to deposit them in numerous ballot drop boxes in the key swing states that decided the 2020 election. It's titled... 2,000 mules, zero justice. Play soundbite six, please. In Dinesh D'Souza's 2,000 mules, a team with over 40 years of experience investigating election security and election fraud provide crystal clear evidence that the 2020 election was rigged. They did so by focusing their investigation on only 2,000 individuals, 
a small percentage of the entire operation. These 2,000 individuals were tracked via cell phone data and video surveillance cameras, which clearly shows them knowingly committing voter fraud over and over again, while photographing themselves doing it, all acting as mules, delivering ballots from Democrat-aligned NGOs to official ballot boxes in the 2020 election. 2,000 felons caught on tape. This movie provides smoking gun proof that the 2020 election was stolen and makes it absolutely apparent that the entire system is corrupt. Because where is the justice? If America had any actual law enforcement, they could simply arrest these 2,000 mules and start an official investigation, which would undoubtedly reveal what many of us already know, that the people currently destroying America from within were not elected by the American people. But we don't have law enforcement and we don't have a news media. On a personal note, I have to say that this movie was depressing, infuriatingly depressing. Yes, it has smoking gun evidence that the election was stolen, but it was also a stark reminder of how the American people have no voice. We knew the election was stolen. That's why millions of us marched on DC in the biggest peaceful protest of our nation's history. It was obvious to us all. But after a few dozen feds fired off a couple flash bombs and murdered an innocent woman in cold blood, the fake Republican grifters ran home with their limp tails between their legs, submissively agreeing to never speak of election fraud ever again. Even as hundreds of innocent Americans rot in jail, and even as the country is destroyed from within, they have been silent, all for fear of losing their meaningless jobs of selling the American people the biggest lie of all, that their vote counts. For those of us paying attention, it clearly doesn't. But that doesn't stop these charlatans from telling you that all you have to do is get out and vote. Democrats are in full support of destroying America, and the Republicans are all cowards. It's a show. Both sides are nothing but prostitutes to the big banks and their lobbyists, happy to see the country slip into the abyss so long as they get their paycheck. They'll sell you the truth online for $20 and hope it satiates you, because that's all you get. There is no justice. The American people are on their own. And the sooner we realize that, the better. Because we the people have been praying for a miracle. And that miracle is here, time. Miraculously, we still have time to act. But that time is rapidly running out. And voting is no longer a solution. Not until we fix this broken election system. There will never be anything resembling a fair and honest election ever again in this country if we the people don't come together and exact justice now. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. I do think, it, I do think it's important that you vote. Your vote does count in some places at some time. And even if you, if it doesn't count when you vote again, 
it may count in the future, or it may be able to. You may be able to find evidence that your vote was stolen or whatever. So do vote by all means. Don't, I disagree with Greg about. Well, I think he was speaking rhetorically there, but nevertheless, I also know that many people believe that Capitol trespasser Ashley Babbitt was murdered during the disturbance at the Capitol building on January 6, 2021. From what I saw, she was being lifted up to climb through a smashed out window to enter a blocked off corridor there in the Capitol where a member of the Capitol police in that corridor was pointing a pistol at her and subsequently shot and killed her. He was not charged. As tragic as the incident was, in my opinion, it's not a good idea to behave so aggressively when a police officer is pointing a gun at you. I do agree with Greg Reese that unless we can fix our corrupt system and rigged elections, we are, without question, headed toward our own destruction and slavery and the end of America as we have known it. As Frank Gaffney said earlier, God help us to help ourselves because our leaders like Bill, former Attorney General Bill Barr and current FBI Director Christopher Wray are not going to. Lastly today, here's another instance of what Peter Schweitzer, author of the book Red Handed, How American Elites Get Rich Helping China Win, refers to as the CCP's Elite capture. It's one of the methods they've devised to compromise the elites of our society, helping the CCC, CCP, the Communist Chinese Party, to ultimately take us over, which they've stated they plan to do time and again. That doesn't seem to phase our oligarchs. They actually want it too, apparently. In this case, NTD Television's China In Focus program with host Tiffany Meyer, another outstanding journalist, discusses a recent revelation that the National Basketball Association's team's owners have a collective $10 billion invested in China and thus must bow to their financial benefactors and strive to make them happy and to hell with the best interests of the USA. Play Soundbite 7, please. NBA team owners have billions of dollars worth of personal investments in China. An investigation into those funds comes as NBA games quietly return to China's TV screens after a three-year ban. They were banned after one general manager spoke out against human rights abuses in Hong Kong. NTD's Colin Fredrickson has more. More information on the NBA's financial ties to China. 40 principal NBA team owners, as a group, have over $10 billion linked to China, according to the ESPN analysis. It concludes that their money would be at risk if they got on the wrong side of the Chinese regime. It's very simple. It comes down to to money. Fred Roccafort is an attorney at Harris Bricken, which represents many companies that do business in China. Roccafort says companies like the NBA are essentially blinded by by the money to such an extent that they're willing to overlook any other consideration. ESPN hired Strategy Risk, a firm that researches the risks of doing business in China, to look into the team owners. Strategy Risk says Miami Heat owner Mickey Arison has over $375 million tied to China, partially through his company Carnival Corp., the biggest cruise operator. Chinese nationals represented 8% of its passengers before the CCP virus hit. Memphis Grizzlies owner Robert Perra is both founder and majority shareholder of tech firm Ubiquity, which manufactures most of its products in China. 
China. Brooklyn Nets owner Joe Tsai has 53.5% of his net worth tied to China. Tsai is the executive vice chairman of Alibaba. Sacramento Kings owner Paul Jacobs has a big stake in Qualcomm, which earned two-thirds of its annual revenue in China last year. Jacobs used to be Qualcomm's CEO. Houston Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta is the president of Landry's, which operates 10 restaurants in China. Strategy Risks estimates his total exposure is $160.3 million. Philadelphia 76ers owner Joshua Harris co-founded and owns 20% of Apollo Global Management, which has three subsidiaries in Hong Kong and one in Shanghai. And of course, Charlotte Hornets owner Michael Jordan's brand, Air Jordan, is very big in China. The NBA has a hard decision to make. Bob Bilbrook is the CEO of Capture, as well as an avid basketball fan. Bilbrook says, You have to decide, you know, are we an, are we a U.S. American brand or are we a world brand and we're okay with, you know, the things that are going on. ESPN's analysis came out as NBA games have quietly returned to China's state-run TV on the eve of the NBA playoffs. Fredrickson, NTD News. Brooklyn Nets owner Joe Tsai, by the way, is a big-time CCP elite himself, being one of the top officials of the CCP's Alibaba tech group giant. Here we are. The CCP now even have their own elites among ours. And don't you bet that they're pushing hard for future world government modeled after that of their masters in China, where the masses have never been free, have no real rights or freedoms, and exist as mere fodder for the CCP's ambitions. That's it for another show. As always, we hope you found the content of interest and value. You can listen to a podcast of today's show when it's posted in the next few days on the Jim Benson Show page at bbsradio.com. Look for us again in this same time slot two weeks from now. Have a good rest of your day and evening.